It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons such as Mark, Grant, David, Cindy, Eric, Dan, Joshua, Christian, Stephanie, and Casey. Thanks so much for your support. I could not do the show without you guys. If you would like to support the program, uh, head on over to the PeteCallenerShow.com. There is a link at the top, and you become a patron over there, over there, and then you get exclusive content, like, for example, the live stream tonight. Whatever shall we talk about? Also, exclusive merchandise. Uh, the show is also made possible by fantastic local businesses like General Equipment Rental. General Equipment Rental, located in Weaverville. And they're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family-owned and operated, have been for generations. And uh, they have got all of your equipment rental needs. They're also, by the way, your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So if you're looking to purchase some equipment, uh, particularly like yard equipment, that's what I'll be looking for come springtime when we get our new house. Um, and I have to rebuild my entire uh, shed's worth of power tools that I gave away or sold uh, several years ago when we downsized. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder, should I have gone with the storage unit? I am having some doubts about my uh, course of action back then. But at any rate, uh, I'm going to be looking to purchase some of these uh, uh, pieces of equipment from General Equipment Rental. You should as well. But if you don't need to purchase, you just need the uh, piece of equipment for one job. Uh, power tool or scaffolding or, you know, some heavy construction item, head on over to General Equipment Rental, rent the thing you need, get the job done, get a job, uh, get the job done correctly, and then bring it back. It's fantastic. It's so economical. And having the right tool for the job means everything. It really does. If you're trying to fix something without the right tool, uh, I learned this on uh, cars, working on cars. When you have the tools, a lot of this stuff becomes much easier <laughs> uh, when versus having like a single screwdriver. So go to General Equipment Rental. Their website is generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. So today's message is unity. We are all about the unity today. That's what, uh, isn't it nice? It's I'm reminded, this usually happens, by the way, whenever, I think I said this in 2012, maybe, or maybe it was 2008, when Democrats win, uh, they're very happy, and uh, there's there, there's this easing of uh, sort of this uh, this fever in the country. Have you noticed it? Like, all of a sudden, the people who have just been flooding my social media with anger and outrage all the time, and people would think, like, oh, well, Pete, your social media is probably packed with conservatives, right-wingers and stuff. And true, there are a lot of folks of the right that are in my social media feeds. There are also a lot of people of the left, because I make a point to go find people of the left and have and listen to them and read their work. And uh, and man, they're angry <laughs> about a lot of stuff. And uh, the, one of the nice things about Democrats winning is that a lot of that stuff gets dialed down. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not sure what comes after all of this. Of course, you know, I cannot read the future. 
Um, but if there is ever another Republican president, by the way, just my default position is I am always surprised when a Republican wins the presidency. Always. I don't <laughs> I don't understand how they actually pull it off. I am not sure. Like it's a if you are a conservative uh, of the right, if you are promising people, you know, please elect me so I can basically give you nothing. Um, that's a pretty tough sales pitch to make. <laughs> and so I'm always perpetually surprised when Republicans win anything, let alone the presidency. But uh, I don't know what comes after Donald Trump, after Joe Biden. If there's another Republican that's not Trumpian, will Democrats like dial back the outrage meter? I'm not sure because I remember George W. Bush's term is two terms. I, I remember what that was like. So I'm not sure. But let's just enjoy for the moment that the outrage level isn't turned up to 11 out of 10. Now, the, the trade-off here is that there are all of these, uh, the, the crying, yes, I mean, all of that, the, oh my God, it's the best speech ever kind of, you know, analysis going on. And is it really the best speech ever? Is it really the best ever? I thought Obama's was the best ever. And then when he got uh, reelected, then like that one was the best ever. I thought he, yeah, I thought he gets, anyway, Joe Biden is apparently best speech ever. And um, there's going to be a lot of this, you know, demand for unity. And we had David Harsani on a couple of weeks back from National Review. And he made the case, I'm not interested in unity because it depends on what, your definition of unity is. And what we have learned over the last few years is that uh, words are getting uh, redefined all the time. And if we can unify around some concepts about what this country is about, what it was founded upon, then okay, uh, I could probably get on board with some of that unity. But if your idea of unity is that I shut up and just do what you say, uh, then I'm no, I'm sorry, not going to happen. And you're not going to be able to blame me for, you know, not unifying. Why won't you unify, Pete? So I'm not going to be gaslit like that. You shouldn't be either. A um, couple of highlights uh, brought to us by the Progressive Pulse. This is the uh, outfit that's uh, associated with the uh, what Progress NC, uh, which is funded with, you know, money from uh, all these left-wing organizations and foundations like, uh, oh, like the like Jim Goodman, uh, the owner of Capital Broadcast Company, the, uh, the guy who uh, owns, or the company that owns WRAL, that guy. Anyway, uh, so the Progressive Pulse, they pulled some highlights, the ones they found to be the best lines from the Biden speech. Uh, for example, we'll press forward with speed and urgency, for we have much to do in this winter of peril and significant possibilities. Much to repair, much to restore, much to heal, much to build, and much to gain. Okay, that's fine. Uh, another one. We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. I agree with that. I would very much like that to happen. Uh, we can treat each other with dignity and respect. I like that, too. He says we can join forces, stop the shouting and lower the temperature. OK, what are we joining forces about? Because if if you want me to join forces to grow government, I'm out. I'm not joining forces for that. He says for without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. I disagree. I disagree because when you have a society that is completely unified about something, it really does depend on what that something is. As Harsani pointed out a couple of weeks ago, 
you know, the point of this experiment that is America is that there are going to be different opinions. So unity just for the sake of unity is not of supreme importance. Not necessarily. Now, if, you know, the aliens show up and the whole world bands together and against these, you know, aliens that are trying to kill us, okay, I would I would support that unity. That's a good unity. Um, I also don't think that the opposite of unity is only bitterness and fury. I'm not sure of that, but uh, at any rate, he says, let us start afresh, all of us. Let us listen to one another, hear one another, see one another, show respect to one another. Politics need not be a raging fire destroying everything in its path. Um, I'm not sure what Clarence Thomas might think of that statement, but... uh, Or how about Brett Kavanaugh? Anyway, every disagreement, he says, doesn't have to be a cause for total war. And we must reject the culture in which facts themselves are manipulated and even manufactured. (gasps) No, facts get manufactured? Is that really a fact then at that point? Is it? I love this idea that they are staking out some... Uh, you know, self-appointed moral high ground, some superiority that they are the truth tellers. And you're going to hear this, by the way, uh, that they are the truth tellers. He says, we must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue, rural versus uh, urban, conservative versus liberal. And we can do this uh, if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts. I would point out that uh, when you're doing this kind of a device, when you're writing speeches and stuff or anything, um, red against blue, rural versus urban, conservative versus liberal. The that's why you mix this up. I would have so you, if you're trying to actually be, you know, healing, you would say something like, you know, pits red against blue or liberal against conservative, right? So you you flip flop because when you always name the right as the first in that lineup. So you're saying, you know, red against blue, conservative against liberal, uh, rural versus urban. You are making one sound like the aggressor. I'm sure it was completely unintentional, though. (laughs) Uh, The News and Observer, the McClatchy uh, newspapers, their uh, combined editorial board they put out a, a piece that, of course, says, you know, Biden offers a path of unity for the nation and North Carolina. Join him, Republicans. See, it's all about unity when the right joins the left. They're all about it. But when the right has the power, then they're all about resistance. It's the same way that Republicans got labeled as obstructionists when they would not go along with Obama's plans. But Democrats are portrayed as, you know, standing in front of the fascists to prevent it from uh, uh, to protect the democracy and all when it's the Republican president trying to do things. See, then obstruction is okay. There's there's always a built in assumption that their narrative, that their belief system, their ideology and political philosophy is the correct one. Have you noticed this? It's embedded in everything. (laughs) And so once you recognize that for what it is, then a lot of the coverage really isn't very surprising. And so they're they're pleading with the Republicans, just do what Joe says and we'll be unified for America. See, if you Republicans would just agree with us on everything, first off, then what's the point of you, right? Really, like, what's the point of having another party if they're just going to do everything that the other party wants? Um, uh, but it also will, 
you know, help cement Democrats power forever, because then Republicans will be seen as accommodating and not an opposition party. And so why even bother voting? See, there's a benefit. There's a political benefit to this that media never explores. I don't know if they're aware of it. They seem to be unaware of a great many things regarding politics and philosophy um, when it comes to their reporting, which is weird because it's their beat. Like if you're a political reporter, I would think you should know something about, you know, political philosophies and ideology and that sort of thing. But a lot of these political reporters, no, no, they're just they're, they're just covering the TikTok stuff, the chronology, the oh, here's a bill. This guy says it'll do this. This other guy says it won't and it'll do something else. I'm Pete Callender. Back to you. Like, that's the extent of a lot of uh, political coverage. But the News and Observer, the editorial board for the McClatchy newspapers, very helpfully calling on Republicans to do some specific things, uh, primarily shut up uh, and surrender. That, that's essentially it. I will get to the details on that uh, in a second. First, let me give you some details about Mattress Man and their big MLK Day sale. This is the Split King Mattress Blowout Sale. Uh, you can pick up a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses. These are two-piece king-size mattresses, so you can totally customize your bed. Right. So if you like it firm with the feet raised and she likes it soft with the head raised, then uh, you can both get what you want. Right. Rolling Stones song to the wind. Um, Don't even listen to it. You can get what you want and what you need with the Split King mattress blowout. You can also pick up a 14-inch hybrid queen mattress for $578, your choice of firmness as well there. Go to Mattressman, mattressmanstores.com is the website, but Mattressman's got four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. Uh, They have five-star local delivery service, and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. So experience the difference at Mattressman. Buy local and sleep better. So the editorial board for McClatchy says North Carolina has much to welcome in this new path being offered by Biden. The first and most urgent change will be his commitment to ending the pandemic through an intense push to speed up vaccinations. Right. Because uh, I guess nobody else has been doing that by leaving it to the states. This has been the problem. What does that tell you about state leadership, by the way? Not that I'm asking the McClatchy folks about it because they're completely uninterested in asking questions about Roy Cooper's leadership on the vaccine rollout. But uh, they say North Carolina's rollout got off to a bumpy start, an infusion of federal support and a president who takes responsibility for the rollout will help the state catch up. No, it won't. That's so that's so asinine. Right. Think about what they just wrote. An infusion of federal support and a president who takes responsibility for the rollout. Why do you think the federal government is going to be in a better position to do something like this than the state government? That's already got the departments of health and human services, these health departments all across the state. The state has presence in every county. I would submit that the reason why the vaccine rollout is going so, what do they call it, bumpy, off to a bumpy start, I'd submit the reason for that is the guy in the governor's mansion. Just spitballing here. I don't want to, I'm sorry if I'm causing some uh, some uh, dissonance inside of your echo chamber. North Carolina voted for Trump in November, as it did in 2016, but its concerns will be much better served by the plans and priorities of a Biden administration. See, you rubes are too stupid to know that you voted against the guy that's going to actually be better for you. This is one of the classic condescending arguments that the left always makes to the right that or why are you voting against your best interests which 
the same could be said of the left, by the way, right? We could say the people on the right can say the same thing to the people on the left, <clears throat> but they constantly make this argument. And then they're like, public schools, this, the pandemic has been a disaster for the schools that were already struggling from a lack of funding. Biden's relief proposal calls for billions of state education aid that will help North Carolina's public schools meet staffing needs and upgrade air and heating systems to allow for a safe reopening of schools. So HVAC systems have to be replaced in all of the schools now because of this, because of the pandemic? This... One might step back at some point, if you had any sense of humility, one might step back and, and think for a moment, maybe this massive factory model for education isn't the best way to be delivering this service. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm crazy. Immigration. Biden will ease bottlenecks for businesses seeking to hire skilled foreign workers and farmers in need of seasonal laborers. Uh, he also wants to offer a path to citizenship for, don't call it amnesty, for immigrants who entered the country illegally or overstayed their visas. This could be up to like 11 million people. Climate change. North Carolina is feeling the effects of climate change as it copes with more frequent storms and rising sea levels. Biden will take on the threat that Trump denied. Well, he better get to work because he's only got, what are we up down to now? It's 2021, nine years, right? 2030, we'll all be dead, I think. Isn't that the, wasn't that the prediction? Biden's presidency may also bring an easing of tensions in North Carolina politics. <laughs> is, is, there, is there anything he can't do? He says he'll be president of all the people. And state Republicans, stunned by the U.S. Capitol invasion, appear prepared to take a more conciliatory approach to the state's business. We hope the Republican members of North Carolina's congressional delega delegation can move from being automatically opposed to Democratic proposals. See, there it is. Just don't be automatically opposed to it. But if you're going to come out and say, hey, we want to give amnesty to 11 million people, um, that is something that should automatically be opposed automatically. Why? Because it's against their principles. They've argued against this. You coming forward with a new bill that does the same thing. Like, there's nothing new in any of these proposals, right? They're going to say, uh, let's come together. We all need to be unified. And here's our idea that we've literally been pitching for two decades. Why won't you get on board with this idea that we've been pitching for two decades and you've expressed opposition to all this time? The Wall Street Journal editorial board um, they ask this question in the spirit of unity. They say, can right wing populist sentiment be banished from American life by the brute force of social media censorship? We're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, we're about to find out. Joining me now is Brett Jacobson. He is the co-founder of Red Edge, a digital advocacy agency. The website is RedEdge.com. Welcome to the show, Brett. How are you? Hey, Peter. Great to be with you. Thank you. Certainly. So uh, first, tell us a little bit about what is Red Edge. What do you guys do? What's a digital advocacy agency? Sure. So uh, we're uh, basically in the D.C. area and we try to use digital platforms um, to basically talk to people about civics. So that's uh, everything from teaching civic history to high schoolers all the way up to, um, you know, engaging senior citizens to, to remain in the political process. Um, so that's everything from Facebook, Twitter, um, all sorts of websites, um, basically anywhere we can reach you with an electron for freedom is what we're trying to do. So you are acutely aware of the importance of being on these platforms. And uh, just from a personal perspective, I'm growing concerned that 
if you know they're starting to deplatform various content creators based on running afoul of some speech standards or something, I I wonder not that I think I violate any of that stuff, but uh, I I do wonder like at some point is it going to come for me? Um, what's your uh, like? I guess I will start sort of at the macro level. What is your take on the actions that we have seen over the last two weeks in this deplatforming issue? Yeah, great question. I think um, there are essentially two different storylines that um, use the same term. So people are getting very confused and sort of understandably so. And so you have this kind of years long history um, of the platforms um, seeming to kind of gently pick one side over the other, be a little more forgiving to the left than to the right. Um, and so that's kind of been, you know, percolating in the background. Um, and then with the uh, sort of um, unrest at the at the Capitol, you know, sort of um, what turned to violent behavior, yeah. um, then there was this sort of spark of, um, you know, seeming new spark of shutting people down. And um, the, the storyline that gets lost there is that there is actually really, really troubling stories of direct efforts to utilize some of the platforms for um, specific violent acts, including targeting um, the vice president personally, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so um, I think, you know, people viewed these crackdowns as being political and it's sort of in the context of the first conversation as opposed to um, maybe understanding uh, because it was tough in real time that the platforms were extremely concerned about um, being a host for conversations of active violence. And so um, I think, you know, the the sort of really harsh shutdowns that you've seen in the last two weeks or so were more um, directed by, you know, sort of laws and responsibility about um, activity on their platforms. And I think, you know, it, it re-raised concerns about um, were they just moderating unpopular speech. Right. Um, and so I think think, you know, the the first conversation, are they unfair, um, is certainly something they have to deal with, uh, both from an ethical standpoint, but also just from a business standpoint. Um, Because if you have a lot of people, and I've talked to a lot of conservatives over the last week or two, who are genuinely concerned about themselves being deplatformed. And, you know, I think that they have the context of, well, it was just something that you know, that, that somebody said or a political idea, and that's why they got deplatformed. But I think in reality, um, the situation was much more acute and mm-hmm. much more specific towards um, actual violence uh, being discussed about in the real world. More with Brett in a minute. First, are you looking for cold weather gear now that it's gotten really cold? Yeah. Uh, go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He's got tons of the stuff that you need at prices that are much lower than you're going to find at most of these outdoor stores, these big box stores. Uh, these are heavy-duty warm pieces of clothing like uh, military field jackets, wool and fleece toboggans, wool socks, Gore-Tex jackets. Real U.S. military surplus, military-grade thermal underwear, all sizes, Uh, and uh, this is great for hunting, for camping, uh, if you work outside, or maybe you just like long walks in the cold. Either way, whatever your reason is, head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Also, he's got ammo cans, first aid kits, backpacks, emergency kits for cars. He's got Kevlar. He's got gun accessories. He's got it all. Old Grouch's Military Surplus for more than three decades in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday uh, and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. Brett Jacobson is the co-founder of Red Edge, a digital advocacy agency. You can see his work at rededge.com. And the core of this issue, I think, is 
distrust, right? Distrust that people who are users on these platforms do not trust the platforms to be making these decisions fairly, right? Um, because I think everybody would agree, well, I'd like to think everybody would agree that uh, direct calls for violence and threats, that that stuff would be taken down no matter what platform it would be on. Um, but what we learn also is that some accounts get to keep making their threats. I think the Ayatollah Khomeini is still right. making threats like today um, against Israel. And that is allowed to remain on Twitter uh, as his account's never been shut down like that. So th I think that really gets to the core of it is people do not trust when um, what when Twitter and Facebook and Google and Apple and then Amazon comes along and they seem to be targeting Parler. And now we find out, of course, that what a lot of this organizing effort uh, for the sacking of the Capitol occurred on Twitter and Facebook. So yeah. <laughs> why are they allowed to stay up? Well, um, I think popularity. One, it's just really hard for everybody to kind of imagine a post Facebook or post Twitter world, um, and so part of it is just you know how would you know how how we would run our lives. Um, so I don't think anybody's super anxious to throw those away if we can you know get get to reasonable rules. I think, um, you know, Twitter was kind of the most honest about um, creating negative precedents out of this. Um, I think they were pretty honest that, you know, shutting down speech isn't a good thing, like it's not headed in a good direction, that um, it is a bad precedent. And I just don't think that they had a better idea of what to do in the short term. Um, I think in the last couple of days, I saw that Snapchat tried to, you know, was like permanently banned Trump forever or something like that, um, which I, I think is concerning that we are trying to, you know, um, mute people when they're not saying things that are specifically bad. Um, so I think I don't think there's any question that we're in a headed in a good direction. Yeah. Um, I think I think what I'd like to see is a little bit more sort of honesty and humility um, by the platforms in actually acknowledging that we just really do not have the technology or the manpower to police the gray areas. Um, and I think what people are frustrated by is this sense that, um, you know, it's kind of where they've where they've created a, a tie goes to the runner or the runner to the left, you know. So um, if they don't know, they keep the left up and they shut the right down. Um, and I think that they just really don't have the technological or manpower ability to judge hundreds of millions of conversations going on every day for, you know, what's satire, what's serious. Um, and, you know, I think sticking to actual, you know, violence uh, would, would make sense. Um, and I, I think that the left, you know, is angry that the, the big tech companies didn't shut things down sooner, um, assuming that they can. And the right is frustrated that the big tech companies won't be fair, assuming that they can. And I think the, the most honest and maybe even concerning uh, answer is that we just really honestly don't have the wherewithal um, to judge that many conversations. Yeah wisely at this point well it, i mean look at the what are the biggest issues on these social media platforms right you got the the threats of violence uh and then also targeted harassment essentially you know cyber stalking or something right, right. and those are the two big ones and uh, i know there's also like recruitment that goes on for some of these uh, uh terrorist organizations and the like but i would put that under the violence heading as well sure. though but we don't do a very good job in the real world of preventing that stuff, let alone, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of conversations, like you said, every single day, 
it's unreasonable, I think, to expect any of these platforms to be uh, close to perfect. I don't even know half perfect. I I don't know what would be an acceptable ratio for them to be able to catch that's realistic. Um, And so so then it comes down to how do you police that if you know that you can't do it and catch everybody or even, you know, a quarter of everybody. So what's the way forward? Well, you know, um, China and the former Soviet Union um, always handled that problem by not allowing really any speech. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's always the, the clamp down on everybody method. I think, um, you know, most of those in the libertarian and conservative world would say that more speech is better speech. That if there is a question about whether it's, you know, political thought or, you know, satire, social commentary that you want to let it go. And if it's, you know, bad that the, the marketplace of ideas will punish it. I do think there's a, a really troubling um, part of the left right now that would like to selectively shut down um, everybody with whom they disagree. Um, and so I, I think that you do see some of that playing out in this dynamic about big tech. Um, they're always demanding, you know, the, the shutdown of one person or another. Um, and I think, you know, you used a good word, I believe, um, expect. I think, you know, expectations breed resentment. And I hmm. think um, it's, no, you know, I think that people resent the big tech platforms for um, moderation abilities that they don't actually have. Um, so, you know, they're they're expecting a level of service um, that I just don't think is realistic. And I think if anything, the platforms might do themselves a favor um, by being a little bit more honest and humble in terms of um, offering what they think that they can moderate. Right. And Twitter made this conscious decision where they shifted first from, you know, just having free speech. And now it's like healthy conversations, which is a completely (laughs) subjective standard. You know how what's a healthy conversation? Um, Well, I noticed that they didn't block every conversation between people and their mothers in law. But, you know, there's there's reason (laughs) to think those might not always be healthy. But, uh, you know, so it's just it's getting into a place where uh, I just don't think it's practical. Yeah. what of the um, the deplatforming of Parler from the Amazon Web Services is that because that's different in my view yeah. than the the you know social media company saying hey look we can't really do this um, and so we can't really be expected to but Amazon went I think above and beyond what they should have uh, now they're getting sued for it and we'll see I mean they said well you know we told you about these hundred examples of of uh, violence and threats and you didn't do anything about it. But I also note that, you know, Parler was getting overwhelmed with new users, right? They, they were struggling to keep up. And so I, I don't know, I, I don't know what kind of precedent that sets if, if it's that easy and um, if it is met with the kind of, oh, well, we're okay with this from the dominant political culture in the society. Yeah, honestly, I actually view the the Amazon thing as um, kind of just a reminder of uh, at the end of the day, the lawyers always win. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that was a terms of service fight. Uh, you know, they were thinking about, you know, sort of their own legal liability for what they were trafficking. And, and um, I think that was essentially lawyers covering the, the company that they represent as opposed to um, necessarily thinking about things in a larger First Amendment context. So um, I... I would certainly hesitate to say anything to bring additional lawyers, 
knocking at my door. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, those terms of service are their own, you know, jungle. Right. Um, and so that's something that, you know, you, I'm sure you could do a whole nother episode on, on, you know, do um, the terms of service for those platforms. Oh gosh. If I wanted the zero, kind of speech that you want, look, right? nobody reads them. You think they're going to listen to a discussion <laughs> about them? Come on. Uh, well, you know, it, maybe it can be one of those sleep apps where, you know, we just read them out loud. And or whisper. Yeah. What's right. the, the ASMR stuff where you just whisper into the microphone right. and, uh, I don't know. Um, so the, um, you, you say that, uh, that big tech's response is actually an indication of how weak their systems actually are. Um, but I guess that is counterintuitive because people think their systems are actually really, really powerful because, uh, what, I mean, I saw one where some guy took the, uh, a, a screenshot of the trending topic on Twitter and posted the screenshot on Instagram and it got taken down, but it was still up on Twitter, right? So as a trending topic. So I think this was the hang Mike Pence, uh, 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 uh hashtag. Uh, right. so it, what, what, it, it seems like it is really powerful, but it's not. Well, yeah, I think that, you know, right now you have a lot of people scrambling to do the best that they can in short time frames with, um, you know, um, big level concerns. And I, you know, we don't think that artificial intelligence is there yet to really make a, a, a great job of distinguishing good speech versus bad speech. And there's no amount of humans that we could throw at the problem um, in a practical sense. So we're kind of just trying to buy time, I think, until we can um, get cooler heads to prevail and people have healthier conversations, um, assuming we can head that way at some point. Um, and I, you know, the, I think the, the fault lies with us as users, um, you know, what we're saying and what we, what kind of, um, credit will extend to our fellow man, mm-hmm. um, about, you know, whether they're acting well or not. Um, and I think that social media is the place where we might cut each other the least slack. No. Um, why not adopt sort of a first amendment constitutional model to just say look if it's against american law like our laws that's what's going to be our guideposts and we're going to say that the case law on first amendment cases applies here and that and that's our terms of service why not why couldn't it be just that easy um well because there's a lawyer on the other side who will sue him for it, I guess. I mean, I, I certainly would, uh, I certainly would find that attractive. Um, that that should at least be the spirit of the baseline, mm-hmm. um, at, at the very least. Um, so, you know, I, I think you're hopefully headed in a direction that uh, other people will follow on that one. Chris, yeah, because I mean, frankly, I am concerned that uh, with the, and I understand like the fight over Section 230. You've got conservatives, as you mentioned, that. Uh, you know, they, they want to get rid of it because they think it constrains their speech. And then you've got Democrats that want to get rid of it because they think it doesn't go far enough. They want to clamp right. down on even more. Um, and I, I just I, I worry that these companies are beholden to whatever power uh, or whatever party is in power. And then that's going to be their guidepost, not really even the terms of service. It's it's going to be who's going to what do we need to do to keep the ruling party off our backs? And that's I, I, that's not good. Yeah. 
No, it's not. It's not healthy. Um, and you'll see that, you know, the problems of, um, you know, picking one side or the other will become more and more obvious over time. And the pendulum will swing back and forth faster and faster, leaving people more confused about what they, you know, could be saying and should be saying. Um, and, you know, I think one of the core parts of the American experiment is that we want less government influence on what we say, not more. Um, and so I think the trend is definitely in um, a negative way and in that, you know, sense an anti-American way. Brett Jacobson is the co-founder of the digital advocacy agency called Red Edge, rededge.com. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Brett, that you think folks should know that's important or interesting before we let you go? Um, tools are what we make of them. So if we can be our best selves, um, we can use tools to be even better. Sir, this is the internet. Okay. <laughs> Dare to dream. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time today, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, so, hey, Growers Hemp, they're North Carolina farmers, family farmers, uh, that decided, you know what, instead of turning over this entire process of uh, CBD manufacturing, turning it over to some out-of-state company, some big conglomerate that's, you know, parachuted in from California to tell us all how to do it, uh, how about we do it? How about we farmers get together and we help save our family farms while helping others on their wellness journey? Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. I added it to my daily routine. I take a few drops before I go to bed and I get deeper sleep than I ever have before in my life. And I'm not alone, by the way. I'm not alone on this. Uh, I've got uh, uh, folks that listen to the show. We gave them free samples as part of a focus group several months ago. And Leslie said she likes the taste, the light berry. She says it's not overpowering. Daniel said it tastes great as well. And it did help me relax and sleep. So uh, Brad, Todd, and Sean Hadley are farmers down in Stanley County. And Brad's been farming since he came back from deployment. And Sean's been working the land, the same land that his grandfather did. They've been growing hemp. And they created Grower's Hemp. And so they said, hey, farmers that they know from, you know, the community, why don't we all grow this hemp and we'll control the manufacturing from seed all the way to shelf, which means we get better quality CBD oil and we get it at a better price. And not only do we get it at a better price, but if you use the promo code Pete at checkout, you will get an additional 20 percent off. You're welcome. Growershemp.com. Here is the official disclaimer that I have to say. So these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease. And nothing that I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your health care provider. So consult your health care professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product growershemp.com you can also find it on the shelves at the broad river hemp company in shelby the medical pharmacy in locust and the durham co-op among other places again growershemp.com promo code pete get 20 percent off from north carolina farmers to your home growers hemp is about the hemp and not the hype so uh when it comes to these uh calls for unity Maybe I would take them a little more seriously if I wasn't also seeing headlines like we need more than deplatforming from the web browser Firefox's parent company, Mozilla. They want there to be by default online tools that are turned on that amplify, quote, factual voices over disinformation, which is an interesting idea. 
when you think in terms of politics and, for example, the White House press briefing, which I'm going to get to audio from that, uh, Salesforce has taken actions to stop the Republican National Committee from sending emails that could, quote, incite violence, although the company doesn't say exactly what action that was. The RNC uses a Salesforce tool for campaign emails. So Salesforce was was monitoring and censoring, essentially acting as an editor for RNC emails that were going out. Also, Marriott, Blue Cross, among companies that suspended donations to U.S. lawmakers that voted against certifying the slate of electors from states where questions were raised about the uh, election integrity measures. So don't tell me that we all need to unify while you guys are taking all of these steps that seem to me to be aimed at crushing dissent, that seem to me to be aimed at people that just happen to be your political opponents. Politico had an interview before the election uh, with Roy Cooper and Governor Whitmer, and I think they talked to other governors as well. They were going around asking, hey, you're a Democrat governor in a state controlled by those nasty Republicans, and how do you do it? How do we come together? And something that Cooper said actually made the headline, we need aggressive healing. <laughs> aggressive healing. This is, it is Orwellian, isn't it? Like you got to step, you do have to step, uh, step back and kind of admire uh, how much the 1984 Orwellian warning is actually being used as a blueprint. The the chutzpah. I mean, they're just just full on dead sprint charging for the finish line here, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, aggressive healing. What is that? What is aggressive healing? Anyway, um, he says you got to rely on cooperation. This is Roy Cooper saying this. Cooperation. Yes, you have to, and you have to have an ability to put yourself in the other's shoes to try to figure out where they are coming from. I think you have to be satisfied continuing to get four yards on every play and making sure you get a first down instead of the long bomb. And eventually, you can get what uh, where you need to go, but sometimes it takes a little longer. Now, on this unity question, the very end. Uh, bringing the country together. Here's the question. What happens now? How can we all come together when the country is so divided? Democratic governor, please tell us. Here's what Cooper says. Quote, I think it's been made much more difficult now for a couple of reasons. One is social media, which continues to amplify the loudest, most stringent voices. Stringent? I think he meant strident there. Um, and in addition, the hyper-partisan gerrymandering that's in place that draws very blue and very red districts and elects members to state legislatures and members of Congress that don't have political incentive to compromise and to move forward, although I believe they have the moral incentive to do that simply because they are elected representatives. So what is he doing? He's blaming social media, which we just went over on the social media front, the deplatforming efforts, the censor uh, censoring efforts. Uh, so there's there's that component here the other component he's talking about is redistricting and the gerrymandering because everything's gerrymandering to the democrats again fair maps are maps that democrats win okay that's what their definition of a fair map is uh because when roy cooper was in charge of drawing the maps uh he gerrymandered the bejeebus out of them got sued a whole bunch of times lost in court at the at the supreme court level and all uh so he was in charge of gerrymandering and redistricting when he had the power to do so now all of a sudden he's like oh i don't like this at all this is terrible i would also point out that in north carolina the maps that we're using democrats drew those 
<laughs> because, like, really, the Democrats, they got to make all of these changes in the redistricting after they sued the Republicans for their maps. So, yeah, we're going to get to go through all of this again. He says we need aggressive healing, a strong voice that will continue to understand that diversity is our strength that will help us heal, but also being aggressive in the things that we need to do to get help to, uh, to people right now. So, again, it's we need to heal by aggressively pushing what we demand occur. There's a like there's this disconnect, I think. Do they not see that you're you're making demands on people that they agree with you? You're demanding that they surrender, that they submit, which I've always said this when we talk about uh, Islam and, you know, they say, oh, Islam means peace. And I always point out, actually, Islam means peace through the submission to the will of Allah, which is a kind of peace. When you have no control over anything, you have no say in anything, right? No free will, no choice on stuff. You just submit to to the will of Allah, then that is a kind of peace. Or in any religion, right? If you're in Christianity, when you submit to uh, to God and Jesus, like there, that does bring you a kind of peace. <laughs> no, I'm not sure that that's a uh, that's an appropriate or applicable comparison in politics. I would submit it is not. I don't think that you get peace by demanding that your opponents submit to your will. They're your opponents because they disagree with what it is you're trying to do. And telling them to shut up and surrender, generally speaking, does not engender support. I'm just (laughs) spitballing here. I don't think that's the best way forward on this. Now, um... Headlines all over the place after Joe Biden's inauguration, where everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. I feel like a weight has been lifted. Thank God Trump is gone. Uh, By the way, Donald Trump is apparently rumored to be considering starting his own political party. So that should be interesting. Um, So there's that there's this coverage that Joe Biden is here to save us. And then we have the first White House press briefing where Jen Psaki is the White House press secretary. She takes to the podium last night, and here are some of the headlines. Smooth, and all I did was uh, all I did was Google. Uh, actually, I didn't even Google. I duck, duck, goad. I DDG'd. I DDed. I ducked it. I, I don't know what, what's the what's the proper term for that. <laughs> I don't know. So I uh, I ran a search. Jen Psaki briefing, and this is what all popped up. Here are the headlines. Smooth Pisaki shows new tone in first Biden briefing. White House press secretary sets new tone in first Biden briefing. Jen Pisaki, White House press secretary, pledges to share accurate information with the American people. Jen Pisaki's debut, no attacks, no lectures, no crowd size fixation. Jen Pisaki's first White House press briefing heralds return to normality. Uh, in debut, pledges to bring truth and transparency back to briefing room. Pisaki vows to bring truth and transparency as White House press secretary. Pisaki shows new tone in first Biden press briefing, promises transparency, vows transparency, vows truth and transparency. Are you getting the message here? Right. Where did this come from? Where did this idea that she's uh, she's going to be this, uh, you know, purveyor of truth and transparency? Well, It came from her. (laughs) She told us that that's what she was going to do. And so that's the headline. Remember at the, uh, the beginning of the show, I said, like, the automatic assumption of the narrative from the left, they just take it and it becomes the story. That's it. There's no there's no questioning as to whether or not this is really true. She's saying she's going to, you know, it's all about truth and transparency. 
I'm Jen Psaki. Which, if you know anything about Jen Psaki, you should have questions about whether she's lying to you right now. <laughs> when she's telling you, she's going to tell you the truth. I don't trust her. You know why? Because she's lied. She has lied about a lot of stuff. The most egregious example was the editing of video out of a press briefing so people wouldn't see that she was lying. So she lied to the press and then she covered it up by deleting the video from the official record. So here's where this idea of truth and transparency comes from. When the president asked me to serve in this role, we talked about the importance of bringing truth and transparency back to the briefing room. There it is. And he asked me to ensure we are communicating about the policies across the Biden-Harris administration and the work his team is doing every single day on behalf of all American people. There will be times when we see things differently in this room, I mean, among all of us. That's okay. Uh, that's part of our democracy. And rebuilding trust uh, with the American people will be central to our focus in the press office and in the White House every single day. Well, that's good enough for me. Right? Good enough for me. <laughs> she said it, so I'm going to believe it, because Democrat. Now, here is something you can believe. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they will get your house sold fast, and they will get it sold for more money. This is what they do. I and Christy are using Rowena Patton and her team to buy our house. I only recommend them. I've never recommended another realtor in, in the Asheville area than Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. The Homes for Heroes program, they are a part of it. It is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. Uh, she's given back almost $800,000 to people who qualify for this program. Uh, these are folks that are police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, members of the military, so uh, veterans, active duty, and retirees. Uh, give her a call at 333-4483 or go to the website mountainhomehunt.com. She has homes in all price points and she has buyers already lined up. So if you're thinking about selling, be prepared. When you call her, it's going to move pretty quickly. Her number is 333-4483. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, mountainhomehunt.com. Uh, give them a call and then start packing. So Jen Psaki last night started her press briefing. By the way, just uh, by way of background, she was in John Kerry's presidential campaign. She's been around politics for almost you know 20 years now. Uh, she was in the Obama campaigns as well, worked on those comms teams, and she served as the State Department spokesperson in his second term and then became uh, the communications director uh, in 2014 for the last two years of his term. That's important. I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, she did not work for Biden's campaign, uh, I would point out. Now, she started this briefing, though, last night with a list of all of the executive orders that Biden was going to be doing. And one of those was a lie. Now, it's it's not considered to be a lie in the uh, the leftist uh, circles, the political circles and media circles. Uh, but it is a lie that that Donald Trump signed a Muslim ban. It's not a Muslim ban. It was a travel ban, and it was targeted to several nations, Iraq, Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. And the, yes, they were Muslim-majority countries, but there are a bunch of Muslim-majority countries that were not listed in the ban. Um, and in fact, that ban got amended. Uh, Iraq got dropped and North Korea and Venezuela got added. The Supreme Court rejected Democrats' arguments that this was based out of, uh, you know, xenophobia or religious animus. It wasn't. And um, 
But she said it was. Last night, she said it was yet again. Uh, if only maybe somebody would ask her some questions. Ah, well, it was a it was a press conference. So what kind of questions did she get? Let's take a listen. Zeke, why don't you kick us off? Again, first off, congratulations. And uh, one question about your role, we touched on this a little bit at the top, but uh, when you were up there, do you see yourself, uh, your primary role is promoting the interests of the president, or are you there to provide us the unvarnished truth so that we can share that with the American people? Oh, my God. Did you hear that? It's hard to hear through the mask. Are you here to give us the unvarnished truth so we can pass it on to the American people? Ugh. Let me ask you on policy, if I can, quickly. You talk, obviously, your role is sort of uh, in terms of delivering the best information to the American people on behalf of this White House. The battle for truth may be as tough a fight right now as is the battle against coronavirus. How do you and President Biden plan to combat disinformation that in many ways led to that assault we witnessed two weeks ago today on the Capitol? Right. So disinformation, like calling something a Muslim ban when it's not a ban on Muslims. You mean like that kind of disinformation? Oh, or is it different? When you guys do it, right? When you guys spread disinformation, when you craft the narrative to make your guy look better, to make your policies sound better, to minimize harm to people that your policies are exacting, like when you do it, it's totally different, right? See, if we all just unify around this message that Democrats are the truth tellers and uh, Republicans are all the disinformation specialists, then all of this becomes so much easier. A lighter note, uh, will he keep Donald Trump's Air Force One color scheme change? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that today, um, given the number of executive actions, orders, the inauguration, a few things happening. Um, I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe oh we can goodness. talk about it in here tomorrow. All right. So that's a great question. Are you going to change the interior colors of the Air Force One plane? Okay. Uh, also, I note Axios has a story here, the Biden protection plan. Um, a prominent Democrat says the lingering question is, can a nearly 80 year old person, quote, process multiple major issues like the pandemic, a sagging economy and an ascent of China and pesky Russia? The acid test, this Democrat said on condition of anonymity, was whether Biden could act or could ace a Rose Garden news conference. And they said he did. So we feel much better about his mental capacity his mental faculties, which that inspires confidence, right? Maybe we should have known that before the election. That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for listening. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, thepetecalendarshow.com. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.